COVID-19 changed many of our plans in 2020. Cabinet met this morning to discuss our next actions in the fight against COVID-19. And in this special episode, I speak with Nick Davenport, director at Larnaco. In January, we were making filter elements for other people's devices. We were manufacturing filter elements for 3M in Australia, for example. Uh, they, they were um, making industrial respirators over there and suddenly um, they needed a lot more. Nick shares Larnaco's role in reducing community transmission of the virus. It's about reducing our, about reducing community transmission. If you can, uh, anything you can do to that is going to benefit the country. And everybody got in behind it. So we, we got approached uh, uh, by some people. I think you put us in touch, uh, Ryan, with some, some, some great people, great sewers. And I think at the end of um, uh, April, early May, we probably had about 10 companies sewing for us on the list. We also look at what it means for New Zealand wool farmers. The value of the wool that we, we buy, we can pay them uh, to do a little bit extra, to make it better, to make sure it's the standard that we want, the quality that we want, um, that we can lift the value of the supply chain. And lastly, what might happen next? It's been a shift in the Western world. The wearing of masks is a norm in many parts of Asia. It hasn't been elsewhere. And I think there's a whole generation now going to be brought up with a different paradigm. Let's take a listen. Welcome back to another episode of A Kiwi Original. Today on the show, I am joined by Nick Davenport, who is the founder and director of sales and marketing at Larnaco, a company that has got a lot of press in 2020 as a potential mitigating factor in the fight against COVID-19. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you, Ryan, and it's a pleasure to be here. Did Larnaco and that the filter media that you produce from New Zealand Wool, um, was that a an idea as a response to COVID-19 or had you been working on this for some time prior? Uh, yeah, a little, little while. We started in 2010, so we've had a bit of a run-up to this. <laughs> and... Uh, well, pandemic was a word that was sort of always in the background of the business plan and the business model. Uh, basic air quality was the target market, which eventuated after the first two years of research into how to build wool into an air filter media, which could help people. And so while we started to focus on that air, uh, global air quality um, became an issue uh, throughout Northern Europe, Asia, North America, all sorts of places. And air pollution masks became uh, one part of the portfolio home air ventilation systems, industrial systems, um, medical products were target markets for our filter media. And so um, it was all about building this platform capability uh, on the attributes of New Zealand wool. And the science that we had come across early on says, this fibre is really darn good at air filtration if you do the right science on it. And uh, so that's why we spend a lot of time. Uh, it's been a heavy, heavily science-driven project over the last eight years. And, uh, yeah, we just happened to land into a uh, smack bang into the middle of a pandemic. With the the, the wool itself, uh, I mean, New Zealand, we are, are known for our wool products in the, in the properties of Merino, for example, or its um, fine weaving ability. Um, what did you see in the wool from a science perspective that it could achieve uh, in creating a, a filter, an air filtration system, uh, yes. at least initially to 
remove harmful particulates out of the the air from air pollution in, in China or Asia or, or the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, how did you go about testing that to ensure that your hypothesis actually worked? Uh, yeah, a really good question. Um, my background isn't in farming or in more than agribusiness or anything. My background's in industrial marketing and manufacturing. So, um, and being an industrial marketer and manufacturer in New Zealand, you deal with uh, either an inch deep, mile wide market of customers and products, or you go offshore. Um, and we were focusing on New Zealand manufacturers, uh, supporting them. And uh, our, our, our strategy at that stage was to um, provide the best that we possibly could to make New Zealand manufacturers and exporters um, internationally competitive. And it was on that journey that we, I got introduced to a guy who introduced me to this stuff. And uh, he said, this is great, great stuff. And I, I, I had spent the previous 10 or 20 years in, in polymers and, and plastic fibers. And uh, I thought, well, really, that's not much of a legacy, is it, to say you've built a business out of plastic fibers? Nobody's going to thank you for that at the end of the day. And so wool um, seemed like, well, and, and, and the more I, I learned about it, the more and we could, if we could make stuff out of it um, in this industrial space, then really good. So we started off with a, with a huge uh, array of opportunities where we could take wool and using non-woven manufacturing processes, uh, make materials which were useful to people. So all those properties that we'd sort of heard about in clothing uh, and, and carpets and stuff, they're all perfectly valid and, and great attributes. Uh, but there was a, a lot more to dig out of it that we had found in the science that would work in the health space uh, and in filtration in particular. Um, and so that's when we, we started to narrow the focus on, on uh, respiratory filtration. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a bit of uh, experience based on being exposed to a new material. And, uh, yeah, that's focus now on uh, the air quality that people breathe. At the end of 2019, coming into 2020, uh, when we all started to see what was happening in Wuhan and there was potentially a virus on the loose that uh, no one really understood or could see coming, um, at, at what point did you and the team at Larnaco start to realise that maybe you had a, a product here that could become in demand either in China or more broadly? Um, well, fairly early on. I mean, one of the areas of expertise that we have here is we probably have got, amongst my team behind me, uh, probably the best uh, science and engineering team in, in making respiratory air filters in Australasia. Um, and we had a manufacturing line to make filter media. So we thought, whoa, New Zealand's in quite a unique, strong position here. Um, let's make the most of it. So... That's when we did a, like a mini pivot. So we had to pretty much drop everything else and just focus on uh, what is the country going to need in terms of masks in New Zealand. We thought you know, initially, oh, I might be able to export a bit of stuff to China, but it soon moved out of China. And we best <coughs> started to become focused on New Zealand. And, uh, yeah, that would have been uh, February. We started to really think about what to do here. Uh, it's real. Now... I remember getting a call from you, uh, I think it was early lockdown, so it must have been end of March, early April, uh, and it was a call out of the blue, 
and I must admit, it took me a bit of time to get my head around uh, what where you were already far further advanced, which you know in hindsight now seems obvious, but at the time was thinking about how do we get all Kiwis uh, more protected and so they can go about their daily business. Um, how did you go about you know talking and communicating? the solution you had, which was to, you know, reduce the transmission of COVID-19 into either government or private enterprise to actually set this capability up? Because you don't actually, you weren't doing the the face masks. It's just the filter media at that stage, wasn't it? Yeah. In January, we're making filter elements for other people's devices, um, such as um, we were manufacturing filter elements for 3M in Australia, for example. Uh, They they were... um, making industrial respirators over there and suddenly um, they needed a lot more. And uh, obviously we could keep going, but no, none of the rest of the world could supply them. So that was that sort of big uh, stand, up, stand up sort of uh, stand up and take notice moment. Um, but, yeah, making masks, we thought, well, we can, we could. We, 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 could we, not, we had some kit in Auckland here, which one of our contractors, my previous firm in actual fact, was had been making filter elements with, but not complete masks. And so we thought, well, if we can get some good engineers um, together, uh, let's turn this kit into full-on mask-making equipment and do it fast uh, so that we can execute because our business is all about, you know, these real honest truths of manufacturing, making product close to its source uh, and, and, and delivering it at source or just delivering it in one direction. We don't want stuff flying all around the world. Uh, so to, to manufacture masks in New Zealand from where we were was a very, very short step. And, uh, but we realized that to get a certified mask, the, the, the P2 or the N95 certified level of mask was going to take some time. For us to get an N95 certification um, out of the US uh, was going to take us more than a year. So we didn't even go there. Um, you can't travel there. Uh, they have to travel to see you. So it's just not going to happen. So we stuck with the Australian New Zealand standards and opted for a P2 level certification for, for this device um, and uh, just just went for it. But we realized that was still going to take several months to do. And so the time that I called you, I realized that, well, holy cow, this is going to affect everybody and there's no masks about yet. Every, every shelf had been stripped of masks. Uh, we couldn't make masks at the time. So what are we going to do? Well, you use the the team of 5 million and say, hey, guys, um, there's lots of people there sitting on their bums doing nothing with their sewing machine stopped. Why don't we get people to make uh, reusable, washable cloth masks and we'll, we'll give you the filter. You put the filter in it. You guys do the work. Um, we can keep up with you if you can keep up with the rest of the country. And so we instigated this community mask program and it's been highly successful, both in the first wave and in the second wave. And the second wave has just been probably about five or ten times bigger than the first in terms of response from the, from the community. That's certainly what uh, NZ made what we've seen as well, because we've got that, mm. that page with some of the places that you can uh, buy retail masks, that some of them have the, the Lanico filter media in there. Um, there's also the, the organisation, I guess, that was kind of running in a parallel uh, track to you, um, not so much for the filter media part, but the, the face mask with Cactus yep. Outdoors, uh, who already had a, a mask ready to go for uh, removing particulates like asbestos out of the construction environment to protect workers. So they were able to, uh, to kind of shift their, their focus from a 
marketing perspective without having to change anything in the the production side of it. Um, who else really helped enable uh, Lanico to to get your um, filter media into face masks around New Zealand? Yeah, good question. I mean, Cactus were more than an early adopter. They beat the they, they beat the trend. They were out of the traps before everybody else. Uh, so Ben did a fine job there of um, coming up with a with a product for the future and just using his using his technology and obviously, which is all his sewing and textile and his distribution network. Um, but in terms of uh, moving to the rest of the community and getting a product, uh, which we differentiated it slightly. We took, we took a model from Hong Kong, uh, which we'd heard about in January and February, uh, which was an open source model because there was actually, Hong Kong, you know, what is it, 6 million people or something. They had no, no filter media. They only had toilet paper um, or shopping bags. And uh, New Zealand, we had filter media, <clears throat> but we could use the same model. So why not use that same Hong Kong model where the community sewed the mask and we provided a filter to go in it? And it's about reducing R, about reducing community transmission. If you can, uh, anything you can do to that is going to benefit the country. And everybody got in behind it. So we, we got approached uh, uh, by some people. I think you put us in touch, uh, Ryan, with some, some, some great people, great sewers. And I think at the end of um, uh, April, early May, we probably had about 10 companies sewing for us on the list uh then we were told that COVID had gone away and and uh, everybody lost all their work uh so it wasn't until this next time came around those 10 were still there um but now we're over 100 um it's incredible uh it's just incredible the, the support that it's got people working together the collaboration uh the just the getting in behind the whole program and understanding it uh has been really spectacular and I think it's been a, a really successful thing for New Zealand. And, and it's probably not recognized. Um, the other night I was speaking to Professor Michael Baker. He, he certainly gets it about the reduction of R and, and the statistics. But the communication in the public health space isn't very strong. And it's obviously an area that we know very, very well. Um, the greater amount of protection you can uh, take to reduce R, which is about reducing transmission between individuals, the more successful you're going to be at suppressing the virus and protecting the population as they get on with their daily lives. And uh, what we're seeing now uh, is evidence of that, which is a lot of corporations, um, organizations, switching from throwing away millions and millions and millions of disposable plastic masks and now going to a, uh, one, here's another one here, a, uh, a cloth face mask with a disposable filter element inside it. What a great idea. You don't have to have the community on N95 masks, P2 masks, to, to stop this thing. But you need more than just cloth, because no matter how well uh, you tell people what they can use for their cloth, they can't measure how good a cloth is at protecting you from particles that you can't see. That's impossible. So if you put a filter inside those cloth masks, that gives you the level of confidence that you, can do, you are actually doing something good, not bad. That makes your product better. And so what the community mask program, the ISO, our ISO which is, um, stands for ISO the mask, uh, Helix ISO, um, it just does that. It lifts everybody's game into a level of performance that they can, they can be trusted. And that's really important at the moment. The New Zealand Made Kiwi trademark is relied upon by over 1,200 New Zealand businesses to gain a market origin advantage in the markets they operate. Check to see if you're eligible at buynz.org.nz.
www.org.nz. There's, there's nothing more important because the, it's something relatively new in terms of cultural behavior. Uh, we all know how to put a hat on or take one off, um, you know, make sure the brows tip to the front, uh, put it on a little bit tighter if it's windy, windy outside, yeah. make sure you wash your hat every so often. There's, there's things around wearing hats that go back, you know, a couple of centuries. For masks, at least in New Zealand, it's not a, it's not a cultural norm. And I was at um, the, the gym earlier this week. And just to watch how people were wearing the mask and then adjusting it or readjusting it, I'm thinking there's going to, there's a lot of time that's going to go into actually understanding um, at a collective how to do it. Just like when the internet started, how to use the internet, how to send email. Um, is, there a, is, is there a possibility that wearing masks actually um, is, can be harmful if you're not, if you're not wearing it? or if you're using it in the wrong way? Absolutely. Um, it's a, it will capture particles. <laughs> and so those particles could be nice particles or nasty particles. So you have to be very careful. So all, everything that you hear about handling a mask is very, very important. So education on the use of a community mask is key. You should have more than one. Uh, you should have more than one for every member of the family. You should really only, only uh, if you are risking uh, exposure, uh, not touch it. Uh, and if you do touch it, wash your hands and wash the, wash the device. Um, but if you're in a low-risk situation, then um, it's still helping. If, if, if a device actually has the wrong fabric in it, it can actually emit particles. It's weird. Or it can give you a false sense of, sense of protection. Now, um, some of the guidance says uh, if you can see through the mask, it's not a good filter. Uh, if you can blow a candle out through the mask, it's not a good mask. Well, that's, that's obvious. Uh, the other ones say, well, if you hold it up to the light, you can't see light. It's a good filter. Well, a black polythene bag, you can, can't see the light through, but it doesn't mean it's a good filter. And one of the key things about this is, is to wear a mask effectively, it needs to be comfortable. And a key part of comfort in a mask, which most people find difficult uh, apart from something touching their face is, is is the breathing resistance and if it's hard to breathe through it becomes uncomfortable untenable and you'll want to pull it off your face and wear it all different sorts of wrong ways that's really bad and and that's again because of our pre-existing knowledge about what made a good mask a good filter and having tested thousands of masks from around the world uh, was we knew how to make a filter element which basically didn't contribute to breathing resistance at all and New Zealand is so lucky because we're the only people on the planet who are able to make that filter and give it to our people. Nobody else in the world can do that. What does that mean? I mean, uh, you know, going forward, no one knows where COVID's going to go or end up. And, you know, some are saying this is a two to three year cycle and we're only at the, the beginning of what could be quite an endemic phase. Mm. Um, what does it mean in terms of the... Um, the demand from the rest of the world for filter media like Lanico to protect their own populations? And then how do you balance that with um, actually making sure that our own domestic population is being able to take preventative measures to actually continue our life and continue our businesses uh, so that we don't end up with, um, you know, uh, uh, 
other results that are unintended consequences that lockdown create uh, because it seems that we're in this situation where, uh, yes, Auckland's been locked down. Um, that's going to reduce the transmission, but it just seems how do we how do we manage something in a more um, back to usual way? And can Lanico as a um, filter media play a role in that? Not just here, but in some of these second wave hotspots we're seeing around the world. Well, we've got a commitment to look after New Zealand first. Um, uh, we've got heaps of capacity to look after other parts of the world, but we're totally focused on what we're doing here at the moment as well as exploring our future uh, globally. We see this occurrence as it's been a, it's been a shift in the Western world. Um, the wearing of masks is a norm in many parts of Asia, but it hasn't been elsewhere. And I think there's a whole generation now going to be brought up um, with a different paradigm. And so the role that we can play in that um, is is significant. And if we look at all of the other filter media products, and, and you have to say, you know, when you develop a new product, you say, what, what problem am I trying to solve? Well, the problem wasn't trying to solve filtering the air. There's plenty of products that filter the air if you get the right stuff. It's all made out of plastic or glass or nano silver or horrible stuff like that, which you wouldn't want to trust. This is made out of wool and you can trust it, you know? So we've, we've got this product for the future, which is um, coming from a natural, sustainable, renewable resource. And nobody else has done that. There's a world building up a mountain of used PPE around the world, masks in particular. Uh, we are almost a lone voice uh, in, in, in creating an alternative to that. So the possibilities that come from here on in are huge. That's huge. What is this going to mean for our wool sector and for sheep farmers? Good news, obviously. Um, we'll buy more wool. Um, and the, the value of the wool that we, we buy, we can pay them uh, to do a little bit extra, to make it better, to make sure it's the standard that we want, the quality that we want. Um, we can lift the value of the supply chain. We can make farming profitable for the wool again at the moment. They've got some real problems. So, um, but a subtle thing about the difference of our program, and this is why you asked the very first question, how long have we been doing this? We're doing a long time. That's because we've actually invested in the, in the breeding program so that we can control the fiber. We're in a really scientific space here competing against the global industry of synthetic polymers, and we don't take that lightly. So we've had to invest in a supply chain with the integrity, uh, with the scientific proof and the evidence that it works uh, and the ability to scale it. And so it's it's how we've taken the, what the market signal is and, and fed that back to the farm and through science. So it means we could make New Zealand farming great again in that respect um, um, as a flagship product. It's not going to be the volumes of carpet that we don't think it is, um, but this stuff is too good to walk on. And uh, this is about high value exports of what New Zealand grows and grows very, very well. And if anything, Sir Paul Callahan said was we've got to get more buck for what we grow here uh, by using our science and innovation. And that's exactly what we're doing. It speaks to that whole doing more with less. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's just being smart about what goes into it. Yeah. There is there is a real race between countries around the vaccine side of it. Um, how well protected are 
is this technology from the filter media side of it? Because I'm sure other countries would love to have the capability that that you've brought to New Zealand. Um, you mean in terms of vaccine affecting the size of the market? Uh, more in terms of the intellectual property around how do you make filter media huh. from sheep wool? Yeah. Um, well, it's very, very... Without answering that in yeah. detail. <laughs> I answer it in the straight words. It's, it's very, very difficult um, and it takes a long time to work it out. Uh, and that's part of the reason why we invested in a breeding program as well because uh, the IP is embedded in the fibre and it's a natural fibre which gives New Zealand a natural competitive advantage. And we can scale that by moving our genetics around the world uh, and providing the product. But Because this isn't not... Um, you, you you could make an air filter out of any piece of wool you wanted. You could make it out of you know recycled knitted merino, but it's not going to work to take out those submicron particles that you can't see. It'll, it'll capture the big stuff. What we do that's really unique and different is capture those uh, 100 to 300 nanometer uh, sized particles at a high efficiency rate. Uh, and believe you me, that is bloody hard to do. And as you move up that performance curve, um, it's um, that's what we've spent the last eight years doing, moving up that performance curve. And now that we've done it, we can get a product which has only got a, a couple of grams of wool in it and it can deliver immense health benefits. So if you think about how many of these are used a day around the world, and there was an article just recently I read last night about uh, 3M building like 65 billion masks a year. Um, we're not going to build 65 billion masks a year, I don't think. If we did, we'd probably solve New Zealand's farming problems. Um, but we'll do, it. We'll, do it. we'll do a nice chunk. What an amazing contribution to the next stage of New Zealand's journey. You know, we've got and um, we've had wool blankets for over a century. We've had merino for a couple of decades. This is the next iteration of that is um, wool-based face masks, which, you know, the world's going to need for at least the foreseeable future. Um Nick, I really appreciate your time today. But before we finish up, is there any question or, or area that I haven't covered that uh, I, I should have asked you? Well, you're by New Zealand, and uh, we were really motivated by your professionalism at the outset when we first contacted you, and that gave us the confidence to reach out to the rest of the New Zealand community to support this. And I think that was, that was really important for us because I think it's got a lot of legs, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a model that New Zealand can be proud of to take forward, to adopt as much as possible and even then take it, take it offshore. Thank you, Nick. And I know that uh, mm. the manufacturers that have uh, collaborated you through this period of time have really appreciated your openness and sharing what you know and how this works to be able to get our manufacturing capability to shift across as, as quickly as possible to not only protect the vulnerable, but actually just give all of us a level of confidence that we can continue our daily lives. We can also reduce the spread uh, and we can provide this to other countries as their needs arise, as they start to go back to yeah. a bit more of life as normal. Absolutely. And it's not uh, something that happens overnight. And our team out here have been working 12 to 14 hours a day for a long time to make sure that this happens and this can work. So I've got a fantastic team that I'm very grateful to have behind me. Well, thank you to you, Nick, and thank you to your, your team for what you've been doing. And, uh, you know, yeah, keep up the good work at keeping us safe. Pleasure. Take care. Bye. Thank you.
That's it for another episode of A Kiwi Original. Remember to subscribe on the podcast or on YouTube to receive the next episode. If you got value from this episode, please share it with someone you think could benefit. See you next time.